anywhere that there are public photos, I do not tag my kids anymore. I do not name them by name. And it's not because I don't love them. It's because I love them. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 610. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton. I almost forgot how to intro my own podcast, but if you've been listening for a while, you know that positive productivity is not about perfection, and you're in for quite a treat. Our guest today is Kristen Johnson. She is an author, and right away, I just... Kristen, I need to tell you that I love that your book is called Ain't You Got No Manners because right off the bat, I mean, I know it's about social media etiquette, right? But I was thinking about my kids. Oh, absolutely. And I'm just like, can you talk to me properly? I mean, really? And if you take how you talk, I mean, my kids are great. Don't get me wrong. But if you take the attitude that you have in the house and put it out there for the world to see, be prepared. But anyway, welcome so much to the show. Welcome so much. That is not proper grammar, but I'm so happy to have you here. I would love if you would introduce yourself to the listeners and share a little bit about how you got here. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kim. It's a pleasure to be here. I love your podcast and especially describing how you got here and, you know, the journey. And you talked about the sleep deprivation, I believe, if memory served and things like that. And sleep is so important. And that kind of ties into the social media, which we can get into later. But I have a background in creative writing. I'm a graduate of the University of Southern California Master of Professional Writing Program and also a graduate of the University of Michigan. I've been writing pretty much since after I learned to read, and I love writing. I love words, and there's always a reason, a need for good writing, and even in today's social media world. And I just wanted to share it with listeners that the book I'll be talking about today, Ain't You Got No Manners, just won three global ebook awards, the late Dan Pointer Genius Global Ebook Awards, and won silver for best cover, bronze for technology and engineering, and honorable mention for self-help. And I mentioned that not as a sales thing, but just to say that, you know, it's very possible, even in today's world where we think reading doesn't matter, people do think reading matters. And ebooks are just one way to get out the writing, even though I love printed books, love, love, love them. Anyway, there's nothing that can replace the feel of a printed book, but I love the convenience of ebooks, and clearly a lot of people do too. So that's the reason that I mentioned that. There's just so many ways to learn and so many things to learn, like listening to your podcast, Positive Productivity. So I'm a writer, author, screenwriter, ghostwriter. I've done poetry, journalism, you name it. So that's who I am, and I'm just enjoying this journey that led me to your podcast today. Well, congratulations first off for the awards. That's amazing. And thank you. When did you know that you wanted to be a writer? 
I think it was very early on because I grew up in a family that loved books and loved to read. And my late mother was a writer. She had written a book called Libraries Are for Children. And my great grandmother was a writer. So you could say it's in my blood. And I just grew up loving to create story, enjoying stories, enjoying making up stories. And at some point down the road, I actually realized I could do this as a career. So that was a very happy thing to be able to do this as a career and write and create content, web content, whatever it was. And it's just a joy for me. Is there one part of your writing that you enjoy doing the most? Because I I would have to believe, and I'm not in your world, I'm very much in mine, which is dangerous sometimes, <laughs> that screenwriting and ghostwriting could have similarities, but at the same time, they could be different, very different. Well, I think that screenwriting, the principles of good writing are the same, no matter if you're doing screenwriting or novel writing or if you're writing for yourself, or if you're ghostwriting for clients. I think the principles of good writing are the same. The question is, what are you trying to say? What's the best format? Whether it's a movie script, whether it's a blog post, whether it's a novel, whether it's a nonfiction book, whatever the case may be, and what is so compelling about that story that you feel compelled to share it with the world. I think those are the principles that will really guide you when you're writing. I think that's a really valid point. Have you ever felt like some people write just because they feel like they're supposed to write, but you can feel it in their writing, you know? That's a really good question. I hadn't thought about it that way, but sometimes I think you can tell when people have passion for the subject and when they don't, or when everybody tells them they should write a book and they write a book because they think it would be a neat thing to do. I mean, who doesn't want to write a book? But sometimes you can tell that their heart's just not in it, or this isn't really, really for them. It's just something they feel like they want to do and should be doing. And I'm not trying to discourage anybody from writing a book if that's what's really in their heart, or if they have a compelling story to tell the world. But sometimes, you know, you write something because you think you're supposed to, and you just don't see the passion. You just don't see the the heart and soul. I can totally feel that. And I know that starting out my business in 2012, I was writing blog articles that mm -hmm. I thought I was supposed to write. Yes. You know, they're out there somewhere on the internet now, but I'm happy that they're out there <laughs> and not on my site. I mean, I wrote an article about getting life insurance. Is it important for all of us? Yes. But I was writing it because I thought I had to write it. I didn't even have health in or life insurance. To be totally honest, I still don't have life insurance. So what am I doing writing an article about why we all need life insurance? You know, as a ghostwriter, do you ever face that challenge yourself? I mean, because it's the idea, right, that somebody else came up with. Or how does that work, actually? I guess I would love to know more about how ghostwriting works. Because I, I would have to imagine that for myself, it would be hard to write somebody else's book. Because as you just said, like, I don't know that I would have the passion for it. Well, I think you do have to have the passion for it. I think you do have to have the passion and take a project that you really feel strongly connected to and that you are a fit for. That's what I would say. And really feel connected to what the mission is. If it's something that you're not 
interested in, then I would say, unless you're trying to build a career, then probably don't take it. But I would say that for me, I will take things that I am passionate about and that I know I can put my heart and soul into. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something that I know a lot about. In fact, although that helps, but I'm great at research, which I did a lot of for Ain't You Got No Manners. I would say that you have to be connected to whatever you're writing, but especially if it's a project that you're working collaboratively on with somebody else, because you just have to have that drive and that passion. I can see that. And I can see that in everything that I do in my business. If I don't have the drive and the passion, some days it's like I might as well just not even be doing it because it takes 10 times longer and you can just feel it in my work. How did Ain't You Got No Manners come about? Well, years ago, I was working on an etiquette book, and it was a project that didn't gel. And so I put it in the proverbial drawer. And my editor, who's the editor at A Vegas Publisher, my publisher, she dusted it off when she was moving. And she said, hey, this etiquette book is still viable. We could do something with this. And at that time, So much had happened. This was 2015. So much had happened since the writing of the original book. For one thing, the section on cell phone etiquette had to be radically updated because when we originally wrote this, when I originally wrote this, Facebook was a gleam in Mark Zuckerberg die. Steve Jobs hadn't come out with iPhone. Cell phones and social media didn't really even exist. So... We definitely had to update it radically. And about the same time, in 2015, the 2016 presidential election was ramping up. And I could see already the impact that social media was having on that. I mean, we now have a president tweeting. We have all these social media stories. And social media was a bigger part of that campaign than I can remember even when Barack Obama was president. So. It seemed like a really good time to produce a book. And my late mother said, you know, email programs and social media programs have a save button. Well, a lot of social media programs don't, but email programs do have a save button. They have a send button. Why don't they have a think button? As in think, do you really want to post that? And I said, I love it. That's the book. So we decided to create Ain't You Got No Manners, and my publisher and my editor, who was from Texas, thought of the title, Ain't You Got No Manners, very Texas thing. So that's how it came about. And also from observing all the social media fails, epic fails and gaffes and so on, and all the social media stories, and it's still evolving. Oh, yeah, it is. One of, (laughs) listeners, you know I love my husband dearly, and Before I go to the butt, actually, I'm just going to share. We've always had a we don't do drama policy in our house. We just don't do drama. You want to bring drama in? We are going to kick you right back out. So I am fast to unfollow people. I am not fast to unfriend, but I don't want to see your drama on my Facebook feed on the rare times that I go in. Just I hear you. I will unfollow. Well, my husband and I were having a tiff this past weekend. He says, I want to see what people on Facebook think. Well, he didn't put my name on it, but he went. And I was like, are you kidding me? You're gonna Seriously? Air- yeah. You're going to air our dirty laundry on Facebook? 
He's like, well, I didn't name your name. I'm like, that is just something. I remember the first time I ever saw one of my friends air dirty laundry on Facebook. And it was the first time I had ever seen anybody air dirty laundry like that on social media. And I was like, that is so tacky. And it, it was an instance of her birthday and she didn't get what she wanted from her husband. I was like, so you just need to go blast him on social media? I mean, that probably feels like poop to him. I mean, yeah, I just can't imagine. What if my kids went on Facebook and posted every time they didn't get what they wanted for their birthday or that Santa didn't bring them what they wanted? I mean, it would just feel so wrong. I totally understand that. It must have been, it's really difficult, especially among families when people post things. And that's one thing where you just really have to have, you know, kind of a policy in the house. I know easier said than done, but just kind of try to work that out and try to figure out what the social media policy is. Some couples have actually signed, I think I read it somewhere, social media agreements were of what they will or will not post about each other and things like that. Social media contracts in the relationship. So that's kind of an interesting way of resolving the problem because clearly, you know, you're venting on social media, but you forget it's out there forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that I've never vented on social media. I would say that it's been more constructive sharing because mm-hmm. I didn't want to see other people wind up in the same situation, but I've never called anybody out because mm-hmm. I, I just don't, I would love to help my community in any way I can. So I guess I have a morphed, <laughs> I can't think of a better word, a morphed way of venting in that I just try to make it as constructive as possible. What were some of the biggest topics that you discuss in your book? Oh, gosh, Facebook, for sure, even though it's kind of passe for the millennials and for Generation Z, Instagram, definitely email, definitely cell phone addiction and cell phone, you know, the way that we're all so totally uh, locked into our cell phones. And I'm guilty of this, too, at times. I don't write about anything in the book that I haven't done myself, for the most part. There are a few things there I haven't done, but for the basic stuff, like making a post I shouldn't have or something like that, or being too attached to my cell phone at times, that I've definitely done. And that was a biggie. The other one was Twitter as I mentioned, and online video. Online video is huge. And also photo sharing. I mean, photo sharing is a very tricky issue. And one of the tips that I have in the book is that when you're sharing a photo, try to, unless it's a public event or something like that, where it's expected that you'll be posting photos, just try to get the permission of the people involved. Like if it's a small gathering or something like that, or a small lecture, and you're not sure if, say, you want to take a photo of the speaker and or something like that. And I'm sure they want the publicity, otherwise they wouldn't be speaking. But sometimes, you know, ask for permission first. That's one of the things that realizations I've come to with taking photos, because you have to think about people's privacy. Absolutely. You know, about six months ago, I don't want to say I had an altercation. I own a very large group on Facebook. We're going to be hitting 40,000 members this week. And it's for virtual assistants. It's called Virtual Assistant Jobs. Listeners, there will be a link in the show notes if you're curious about it. 
But I have a, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all and move on policy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's an international group. And one of the biggest pain points in the whole group is that American, or I would just say North American VAs get a little testy sometimes when the international VAs are charging so much less. And also when clients come on and they want to pay less than Americans and North Americans are used to getting paid. So if the job isn't for you, I've just made a policy. Move on. You don't need to give your opinions on the pay rate. Just go. Well, I, mm-hmm. I stepped in and I said something. And that day, I received seven death threats against me and my my kids. And Seriously? I did. Yep. And the authorities got involved. But what pained me the most and really affected how I treat social media now is that the person had gone through quite some work to find the names of my children and tell me exactly what they were going to do to each child by name. And that's horrible. It is. It's completely horrible. So what I do not do anymore is I do not like if it's my private for friends only Facebook posts that I may or may not even share friend or share my kids names. If you send me a friend request, I have to know you personally in order to accept your friend request. I've just realized I need to do that to protect my family. And then anywhere that there are public photos, I do not tag my kids anymore. I do not name them by name. And it's not because I don't love them. It's because I love them. I will not do that. I was ready to back down from my whole business when that happened. But my husband- I can imagine. Yeah. My husband said to me though, he says, the bigger you get, the more this is going to happen. So you have to decide, is this really your life purpose? Are you going to pursue it? Or are you going to give up right now and let the devil win? It sounds like he's pretty smart. The whole thing about this past weekend, you know, I think it sounds like he's pretty smart and he's right because anytime that you do anything, I quote Holly Griggs Ball in the book who actually had her own problems on Twitter because of her own stance on birth control. She said that if you weren't doing anything important, there wouldn't be a reaction there wouldn't be anybody, any controversy or any reaction. So I think what you're doing is is very important. And the bigger you get, you're right, you're going to get more pushback. But death threats, absolutely. Uh-uh. And that's one of the things where I think people on the internet need to realize that everything you do can be traced back to you. Absolutely. In some form or another. I mean, yeah, maybe they can hide. There are a lot of people that do hide, but most people, cybersecurity is not my forte, but I think probably it has a way of coming back to you. So I hope they found the people that made those death threats. I am not going to comment. We are still working on it. Well, of course, I know you can't comment, but I hope they do find them because that is just terrible. And I agree with your position of trying to safeguard your kids' privacy because There's so much out there that can happen, and it's up to every parent, obviously. But that being said, there are a lot of crazies out there, as you you found out, and they can find out information. And there's also this thing called the grandparents scam, where they can find out the information of your grandchildren and then call you and pretend to be them and in trouble and asking for money. And people I know, friends of friends, have actually gotten tripped up by that and given them the money. So there's all kinds of ways, ways that the social media can be used to, 
You just have to be very, very savvy about it. You do. So every single day right now, my six-year-old daughter is asking if today is the day that we will launch her YouTube channel. <laughs> you know, she watches like Ryan's toys and he's, you know. I've heard about that kid. Yes. He's got tons of subscribers, you know, and, and they have lots of videos going out. But, you know, there's a reservation of mine. Of course, in the Ryan's toys videos and on his channel and anything that I've seen, they're not sharing a last name. They are very careful not to say where they live or anything like that. Right. And I have to greatly respect that with his parents. And I've seen articles from his parents where they don't even let Ryan necessarily know how big he is. He's got to know by this point because there's toy lines. Actually, <laughs> I was <laughs> I was at a big box store buying underwear for my children. In the boys section, there was actually a pack of Ryan's toys, boys underwear. I was like, really? He's gotten that big now? <laughs> and I know that my daughter would love that. Oh my gosh, I was so close to just saying her name right now. I, I know she would love that. But does she really want everything that goes along with it? And I'm not ready to tell her, you know, not everybody's going to like you. You're going to get thumbs down. I'm not ready to take on the job of filtering out the negative comments. And she's right about to be able to read now. Like, Nope, I'll pass. And again, I think that's a decision every parent has to make because it's you do open your child up to to that. And if, if you know what you're getting in for, then then great. But not everybody wants that. And maybe it's wiser to wait until they're a little older sometimes. Which is also concerning. I mean, I don't know if this came out after your book was published and I haven't even taken a look and maybe I should because I have children that are old enough. I mean, I have children have their phones. And that's, going back to what you were saying, that's a struggle sometimes. One of them yes. doesn't really pay attention to his phone at all. I mean, it's some days it's impossible to get a response to a text message just because he doesn't wear his phone, you know. <laughs> and the other one, it's hard to have a conversation with him because he's Mr. Popular. <laughs> and, you know, he's getting about 30,000 messages a minute, but now he's on TikTok. And it's scary to hear what I hear about it, but I think the same can be said for any platform. I mean, there's Reddit where you've got to be careful where people are going. There's TikTok now. I mean, I suppose there's probably there's a, a dark lot side of, of Twitter. Yeah. There, there is. There is for sure. There's paid Twitter bots that they'll pay to, you know, disrupt you or attack you and things like that. There's all kinds of one of the quotes in the book that I read is, I still think that Twitter should be used for teenage girls to trash each other and not much else. But that has to rag on each other. But that also has implications because you have cyberbullying and things like that, which is kind of what you're getting into with talking about your daughter potentially having a YouTube channel because there's cyberbullying. There's all kinds of things. I mean, you can't protect your kids from everything, you know, sooner or later, they're going to be exposed to it. And I read uh, Parent Alert, a wonderful book by Nadia Sawala, Kay Adams, and Will Geddes. And it's a terrific book. I reviewed it for Amazon. And they say that there's a certain trust you have to have in your kids, but at the same time, try to protect them and try to give them the tools to handle social media. And it's very hard. And my nephew, who I love dearly, he told me that 
one of the things that he wished I would talk about when I was on these podcasts is that, you know, with YouTube, a lot of younger kids imitate what they see on YouTube and they don't necessarily have the judgment to figure out this may not be a good idea. He sees it because he's older and he can make up his own mind. But, you know, the decision-making and the uh, long-term consequence-making facility is not fully developed in kids. It's not fully developed in teenagers. The, The brain is still developing. So it's just very, very hard in terms of technology to be able to to be able to manage it. It's hard for adults, too. Absolutely. I mean, some things which you would think are just common sense pass over adults' heads just as easily as they would pass over kids. Oh, you're, that's, you're not kidding. Yeah. Um, last school year, the son who I was just talking about not being able to get his phone away from him, there was a girl in his class who accused him and told all of their friends that he had sent an inappropriate picture to her. Oh, my God. And he's like, he actually came to me and he's like, Mom, I will show you all the messages I never did. He's like, I did not do that. And I don't want to get in trouble. And he's a star soccer player. You know, he's fully aware of the consequences. But then you can turn around on any given day and go into your Twitter feed. Like, <laughs> I have to be mindful of checking my Twitter messages from people I don't know. You know, my DMs. Yeah. Because I flip open the screen and there's, you know, an inappropriate shot. So I can't even check my messages in front of my kids. Not that I do anyway. I try to be mindful of that because I don't know what inappropriate stuff is being sent to me. It's like, really? In what part of your imagination did I give you permission to send me a picture of your anatomy? Exactly. Exactly. It's just mind-blowing to me what people do and just little things like, I don't know, kidding reply all or sending the text to the wrong person. Again, I've done that. Have you ever sent a text to the wrong person? You get red in the face for a minute at least. Absolutely. You know what drives me crazy right now? I just need to put this out there. Is being added to an event on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Somebody is having, and I don't want to name a company name because there will be a transcript, but... Any number of MLM companies, and they're going to have a party. So they add me to the event without my permission, and then I start getting all the messages because of that. And then I feel bad for wanting to, you know, I don't want to leave the group because everybody's going to get a notification that Kim sent and left the group. But I didn't ask to be in the group. Why are you adding me to the group, you know, without asking if it's okay? Mm -hmm. Just basic etiquette. Yeah. Hey there, my friend. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. I wanted to take a quick moment to invite you to join the Work Smarter, Not Harder Challenge. Over the course of 30 days, these free, yes, free, short videos will teach you a few of the systems and strategies I set up in my business so I can get away from my computer and back to the people I love. I invite you to sign up now at WorkSmarterNotHarderChallenge.com. Again, you can sign up at WorkSmarterNotHarderChallenge.com. I want to share another, just another quick story. And listeners, you may have already heard this one. A couple of weeks ago, based on when we're recording this, I had posted in a Facebook group for podcasters, something that was working for me. 
and Kristen, you may have already seen the email that I sent out about this, something that was working for me in my business right now. And the response was great, except for a couple of people. Listeners, just remember that you don't know who's in any of these groups. You don't know who might be following you on any of these platforms. So be mindful about what you say. And this lady was just nasty to me. So this is one of those things that I sent an email out to my list, just saying, you know, be mindful of what you say, because there could have been potential sponsors in this Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And when they see interactions like this, they could have been like, heck no, we're not working with the likes of her. So I sent this message out to my email list and I got a response from somebody completely unrelated who had just joined my list that day. And he's using expletives and telling me I'm crazy and I belong in a mental hospital for sharing, you know, be mindful. But there in the signature of his email is the name of the company that he works for. Oh my God, such stupidity on the internet. Yes, a big company that I actually do business for and am an affiliate for. Unbelievable. So listeners, I don't believe in like when my kids tattle, it drives me crazy. But if you ever see any of my team members doing something like that, I want an email, like forward me the email and let me know. I love my team and I can't believe that they would ever do anything like that. But I did reach out to this company. I'm like, look, I don't think this is the type of messages that you want being sent with your email signature on them. And they were going to address it. Well, you see people being disciplined all the time for things that go viral. For example, I think a McDonald's employee chewing somebody out or something like that. You see people being disciplined all the time for things that absolutely go viral. And email is no different because in the book, I quote several emails. I believe it's chapter two on email about, you know, emails that people have sent that really should not reflect, be sent by anybody who works from at any company And I understand that people get frustrated and so on. People are having a bad day. But there's that think button. Like my late mother said, just think, ain't you got no manners? And think, hit the think button. Pause. Walk away from your desk. Do some breathing. You know, whatever you have to do to temporarily put the frustration down. Because it does happen. Because we're all human. But that emotion should not come out on email because... It can be shared, like you sharing it with this company. It can be posted on the on the web. I mean, there are probably sites devoted to bad customer service emails, and there are articles about bad customer service emails. And I know that customers get abusive too, and that's not okay either. But yeah, just hit the think button, people. Oh my gosh. Okay, I have to share one last story. I know I just said that, but... Listeners, there is not a way to go live on Facebook in your group that you're just testing and making sure that everything is going okay without Uh, everybody seeing it. (laughs) (laughs) I do launch management for seven-figure entrepreneurs, and I was not involved in this launch. I just need to put it out there. This has nothing to do with me. But I heard about this big name. And that's where I guess my tact comes in. I will share stories without flaming the person where they were testing the camera and the audio equipment. And the person was caught on video and audio, just bashing a whole bunch of people in this community. And it went out there for the community to see. 
And that's where that think button would have really come in handy is, you know, hey, you're going live. Do you think maybe you should keep your mouth shut or only say what you testing one, two, three? Is this working? <laughs> exactly. You can't go wrong with testing one, two, three, especially right. when you're Facebook live streaming. Yep. Yep. And there are many days that I wish there was a way to test Facebook Live because I have tried to go live on so many occasions and, you know, my phone has tipped over or whatever. <laughs> if you can have a blooper on audio or video, I guarantee you I've done it already. <laughs> I mean, you have to be prepared to know that you are going live. So say what you say, what you mean that you want people to hear because people are watching even when you don't necessarily want them to be. Exactly. And when you're doing a video recording or, or live video, you know, I've learned this, always make sure you're centered, always make sure that you have the right sound, always make sure you have the right background, no reverb in the background, things like that. Just, just basic, simple stuff. It takes a little practice. Not everybody is comfortable with it. But if you're not sure, record yourself first on your cell phone or something like that or on your computer and just see how you look. See where you can improve. Have somebody else record you before you go live because it takes some practice. And everybody's got a smartphone. Everybody's putting up YouTube videos. But you just have to be you just have to think about the image that you want to present to the world. Absolutely. So do you have a couple more quick tips that you can share that the listeners can roll with today? Well, certainly. I think the most important thing is to think about these things are out there forever. Whatever you post, it's going to be out there forever, whether it's email, text messages, anything. And we've all done it. We've all sent angry text messages or text messages when we're not exactly in the most best frame of mind. We've all done things like that. And, you know, a lot of the time, it's not fatal. It's not anything that necessarily to worry about. You can't live your life being paranoid, but just try to pause and think, hit the think button and just look at it and think, if this were shared out in the world, would I be okay with it? And I quote the late, great Will Rogers, live your life in such a way that you would not be ashamed to sell your parrot to the town gossip. And so just be careful. And it's really easy to censor yourself and and not say what you mean, what you want to say, because I think that we are a bit mindful of how we come across. But on the other hand, we're also impulsive. And so sometimes we just have to be careful and also, we have to realize that what we're seeing is totally devoid of context. Emojis are great, but with a text message, with an email, it's devoid of the emotional context. So one of the greatest tools I've ever heard of comes from my late mother. It's, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? And some of the time, they really didn't mean how it appeared, how it came across. Does that make sense? Oh, Absolutely. There's no emotion in text. So a simple word could be taken completely out of context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, one of the things that I think is also helpful to know is to kind of take a break from the social media. It's, 
it's hard to do, I know, and the phone is compelling us and we think of things to send a text to someone, send a cheery text. That's the other thing. There's a positive aspect of social media. We've been talking a lot about the pitfalls, but there are the positive aspects of social media and texting, such as sending someone a cheering text or a cheering Facebook post or a sharing email and things like that. But I still believe in handwritten stuff and handwritten notes and calls and so on. But there are the positive aspects of social media, like your podcast. We're able to reach each other and We talked about the young man who has his toy videos, and I'm sure that as much as that might have its downsides, he's reaching a lot of people, he's helping a lot of kids, and he's probably helping a lot of parents. So there are a lot of positive aspects of social media. They get buried in the negative ones, but at the same time, you can't ignore the negative ones. Oh, absolutely agree. I want to add in two more things Nothing drives me crazier than being added to people's lists when I connect to them on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. A connection acceptance, like it does not mean add me to your email list. Right. So don't do that. Opt in, people. Opt in. Yep. Yep. And if you're asking for their email address, make it clear that they're going to be added. I mean, my VA group on Facebook, I have questions that I ask of anybody who wants to join, and I do ask for their email but I tell them that they're, you know, they're going to be at it. And the other thing is, I mean, we got to think back to kindergarten days and the telephone game where everybody's right. whispering something into somebody else's ear. And by the end of the chain is completely different than it started out. And the reason I bring this up is because back in 2015, I was working with a client and I actually ended the contract because she was not easy to work with. Mm-hmm. Long story short, Another client knew that I had been working with her, but I don't share everything with everybody. And I also was preserving confidentiality. Yeah, I didn't want to harm the client that I let go of her reputation by telling anybody else that I had let that contract go. Well, right. long story short, the client that I got rid of ended up making off with some based upon what I heard. Again, this is hearsay, but over $40,000 by taking on website design clients and then not completing the work. So the client who knew that I was working with her heard about this and ended up saying something to somebody else that I had, you know, that I got paid for work and didn't do with it. And another client that she had referred to me ended up breaking our contract because she heard that I took money and didn't do the work. So just be mindful of what you repeat, be mindful of what you say, because whether or not you want it to be taken any further than the person you say it to, there's a high likelihood that it will. And it won't be in the same context if you even had the context right, if that makes sense. It does, because it just kind of like the internet has a filter. People should have filters too. And it's unfortunate. And there's a lot of fake things going on on the internet. There's a lot of fraud. And I think It's just amplified as an extension of people because people commit fraudulent acts, clearly, like your client. People commit fraudulent acts, and the Internet kind of amplifies that because you don't see the person. So there's a whole chapter in the book, Ain't You Got No Manners, about fake stuff on the Internet. And there's a lot of fake stuff, but also whether it's in person or 
in email, it's very easy to for things to get distorted. And that's why I say, also say in the book that even if you're not on social media or on social media, because things can be shared about you. So you just have to be very, very mindful and ready to correct the record if necessary. Oh, I love that. Thank you. And we shouldn't be scared to correct the record. And for the record's sake, I just want you and all listeners to know, I had already let the client go by the time she started doing that website design stuff. And I don't even know any details about it, except I was associated with a story, you know? So I don't even know that it was true. All I know is I wasn't involved if it was. So, yes. Well, Kristen, I just want to thank you because I I know you've given me a lot to think about. And I know that you've given listeners a lot to think about. Listeners, I want to hear your ahas, and I'm sure that Kristen would as well. So head on over to the show notes page at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP610 and let us know what your biggest takeaway is from this episode. But Kristen, where can listeners find you online, connect and get to know more about you, your services and your book? KristenJohnson.net is K-R-I-S-T-I-N. Johnson.net is a wonderful way to connect with me. You can also find my book on Amazon, my books on Amazon. You can also find Ain't You Got No Manners on Smashwords as an ebook. And my publisher is A Vegas Publisher, and they're wonderful, avegaspublisher.com. And those are pretty much the main ways to find out more about me. Awesome. And all those links will be in the show notes. So if you're driving, trying not to burn dinner, don't worry about going there right now. It will be there for you later. Kristen, thank you so much again. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget, one last golden nugget that you can share with the listeners? I can't hit the think button hard enough because just thinking about the way that we would want to be treated in our lives and just making sure that we're always presenting the right image. And when we do pick online battles, try to pick the right ones. So that's one of the things. And also just realize that this technology is, it's a tool and it's there to enhance our life, but it serves us. We do not serve it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. (laughs) 